Alright, it seems we are live here once again on the Added Souls podcast station on Rumble or wherever you're viewing this. Stefan Maia is my name. Friends, we're talking about uh, Isaac, right? Abraham and Isaac, the offering. Uh, over in Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22 is the information we'll be looking at today, you and I together. And uh, by all means, a bit of housekeeping stuff. Be sure to consider subscribing to the channel uh, and, um, you know, giving us a rumble, sharing some comments, sharing the link far and wide, that kind of stuff. If you believe there are friends uh, that you have in your circle that would like to participate, engage, listen to, at the very least, the information that we provide. We try our best, though we are not perfect. We try our best to uh, go about the text in a way that is pleasing to the author's intent and keeping things in the structure, of course, that he wrote the book with. And so, and so you know, that's what we try to do our best with here. And uh, we'll see what kind of information is revealed in Genesis chapter 22. Uh, we certainly do go through our itinerary Monday to Friday, and you can check out the show notes to see which day we... Um, talk about what, and maybe you'll find something in there that might interest you. Is that okay? Consider signing up to um, addedsouls.locals.com. That's our Locals community over there. You can sign up for free, and you can choose to support us monthly over there. No amount is too low. No amount is too high. It helps the Added Souls uh, move forward through the Maya family and uh, the mission work we are involved with over here with the East Coast Church of Christ. You can check that out over at eastcoastchurchofchrist.com. That good? All right, let's just get into it. We're going to have the, um, the scriptures on the screen along with us together so that we don't, you know, misquote something or whatever what. Let me see here. If I can do that. Where are you? Somewhere's in there, aren't you? Yeah, there you go. All right. We got it. We're going, man. It's going. All right. There we go. Now, it came about, about after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Now, of course, I encourage you to go check out the archived Wednesday uh, sessions where we've been going through the book of Genesis and we've been uh, seeing some wonderful things there that are practical uh, for our lives today that is quite useful to our faith as we um, involve our thoughts to the inner workings of this information that was uh, witnessed and recorded a long time ago, thousands of years ago, yet still the information in there uh, uh, very modern to each era to keep us focused on the purpose of life and how we are to understand the nature of God and the things that uh, keep us um, hopeful for the next life, right? Uh, and uh, yeah, the last time we went live for a, a Wednesday session, we were looking into chapter 21. And in chapter 21, of course, we saw the actions God provided Abraham and Sarah and uh, Hagar, and we saw how God said, and God did, and God promised, he spoke, he commanded, uh, what else did he do? Uh, he heard, and he opened, right? God takes care of us, 
His grace is, uh, man, it's truly something to learn and to understand. You know, it's a powerful tool uh, that he utilizes towards uh, all of us, spiritually speaking, within his son, uh, who are Christians. It's, it's a beautiful thing. And of course, uh, that's available to all, even the unbeliever, uh, who might seek to want to study and learn of this man named Jesus. There's a lot of lies out there, but for a person who truly is genuine and seeking the truth, he will go to the scriptures. She will go to the scriptures and read. And we're going to find ourselves in a chapter of Genesis that has, of course, a lot of controversy when it comes to the world's ways and wanting to discredit the scriptures or make God out to be some kind of a, a tyrant or some kind of a you know violent, barbaric, uh, hateful God and stuff like that. They'll go to this chapter and try to justify that. We're not going to really read the chapter in an apologetic way to defend what the scripture is saying. Uh, you know, I'm not going to go about that approach for this session. Um, you and I, if we are Christians and you're, you're viewing this as a believer, you know, if you've read enough of the scriptures, that God is not this malicious, uh, sinister tyrant or oppressor, not, not at all. Uh, quite the opposite, right? A very long-suffering, patient with us, uh, filled with uh, love and grace and mercy towards us. Uh, but he is a just God, and uh, he certainly does hate sin uh, because he sees the damage it does to uh, those of us uh, on this earth, right? And uh, all that kind of stuff. So anyways, in this account here in, in uh, Genesis chapter 22, the offering of Isaac, right? Where a father is commanded to offer his son to uh, sacrifice his son on the altar to uh, appease God. And uh, this is, of course, uh, information we'd be wise to understand because it's in the chapter, it's in the, it's in, it's in the book, and uh, we have to know what's going on. So now it came about after these things that God tested Abraham, and he said to him, Abraham, and of course Abraham answered and said, Here I am. Now, remember, there is, some, there is a relationship here between God and Abraham. This is not the first you know, interaction or interactive moment recorded. Uh, there have been a promise, there is a covenant, there is a, a lineage. Uh, there's been a lot of moments thus far uh, between God and Abraham. And again, I encourage you to read the, the book, obviously, and um, if you care to hear uh, our studies on it, you check out the archive videos. So he said, take now your son in verse 2. This is God speaking to a man. The man's name is Abraham. And God speaks to Abraham. And he says, take now your son. Right? Abraham has a son. Does he not? His name is Isaac. He has two sons. Uh, the other one, of course, um, the account was recorded in 21 to what took place there. But uh, to Isaac here, Abraham is commanded to take him. Uh, whom he loves. And of course, God understands this. And we, uh, you need to take the perspective of God's nature when you read these accounts. God's not in confusion. God is not found uncertain of what's going to happen next. God knows all things. He has seen all things before he even created Adam and Eve. He has seen the canvas. The canvas. He has painted it. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He has seen everything done already. You and I, we don't know what we're going to be doing in the next hour or what is going to happen. He's seen it all. He knows exactly how all of this has begun and how it all ends. And so when you read these accounts, 
it's never for the benefit of God. Indeed, it is for his good pleasure, so his will may be fulfilled through his providential paths. And in this day and age, of course, thousands of years ago, through divine operation uh, and miraculous uh, activities, uh, of course, recorded in the first century in various locations prior to that. So it is not for the benefit of God. God is not confused here. God is not found uncertain. God is not asking questions because he don't know the answers. That is never the case with God. It is always for the structure of our minds here submissive to the natural realm so that we can read this information, you and I today, and that Abraham, while living in that era, could experience something he needed to know. And that's important. And also, of course, to God's good pleasure, recognizing that he had already set forth in motion the sacrifice of his own son, his only begotten son. That's the kind of love God has for us that he would send his only son to die on a cross to save you and I from eternal damnation, which comes from our sins. And God, interestingly enough to his nature in this account, would be found, and I speak only of perspective and opinion uh, when it comes to this thought, if you will, perhaps an academic pursuit, um, God might have seen a pleasure in mankind willing to sacrifice a son uh, loved by a father. He, God, was going to give up his son for the salvation of mankind. Would it have been a good pleasure to see the heart of a father do the same in order for God to recognize the worth left in mankind that he has created. I mean, we kind of went downhill there with the whole Noah thing, remember that? I mean, you know, mankind, uh, we reach the age of accountability, our own independence, and we choose to do a lot of nasty stuff against each other, practicing hate in and, and a, and a great many branches that come from hate. So here God, in his nature, pleased by the heart of a man, a father, who'd be willing to sacrifice on the altar uh, his own son, whom he loved, agape. Agape. Abraham would have sacrificed a great many things for the greater good of his son. Um, Abraham might have given his own life, right, for the greater good of his son, the life of his son and the future of the ancestry. Yet here he is commanded by God, to reverse the role, you and I as fathers know we pray to leave, depart this earth first and foremost before we see our sons in the grave. Isn't that the natural order of things when there is not a hostile uh, or aggressive uh, uh, deviancy from, from, from that natural uh, path forward? We pray to God and Father may... It never be that I have to bury my sons, you know, may they bury me first in natural order. I would give my life for my family, my wife and my children, gladly so. I don't seek to aggravate that kind of an experience. I pray, actually, I don't have to go through that, but I certainly will. I've already counted the cost. I would put myself in harm's way to keep them safe. Uh, well, it would be at good pleasure to God to see all those sacrificial 
uh, 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 loving uh, uh, um, uh, actions from a father towards his son. Ultimately, whom do we serve? And whom are we a father for? Um, if you follow our exclusive studies over on Locals, addedsouls.locals.com, we've been going through Colossians. I'll actually be going there uh, after this podcast session. I'll be going uh, live over on Locals, our community there. Uh, Paul was speaking of the structure that makes for faithful or good and decent relationships. Husbands and wives, wives and husbands, children, parents, employers, employees, us Christians, believers with the unbelieving world. All these relationship types that we must have. Why are we who we are? Why are you a wife? Why do you seek to become a wife? It has to be for our Lord and Master. It has to be for God. Why are you willing to become a husband? It has to be for God. Why are you an obedient child? It has to be for God. Why would you seek to become a parent? It has to be for God. Why do you seek to become an employer? It has to be for God. An employee? It has to be for God. Why do you interact with this dying world as a Christian? It has to be for God. It has to be for God. So Abraham, Abraham in all his actions, it must be for God. It must be for God. And remember, God knows all things before they have happened. He knew this recorded account prior to the formation of Adam and Eve. He knows exactly the path forward, and he knows what's going to take place. This is for the benefit of mankind and to his good pleasure. And so he says to Abraham, take now your son, your only son, and you can certainly see the similarities, if you will, thousands of years Part yet in God's mind on the same canvas, he and his son sent Christ, right? The Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, Jesus, God in flesh, with a purpose for redemption, right? This sacrifice, this love that the Father has for the Son and the Son for the Father. You, you, you can see that. If not, it's fine. I, I didn't once. You just have to keep reading the Bible you will be truly fascinated and amazed once you follow the treasure map of the scriptures to its many gems, its rubies, its diamonds, its gold. I speak in spiritual terms, of course. So take now your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac. There's no confusion here. Your son, your only son. Well, wait a minute. Did God drop the ball on this one? Is he proving himself human? No, not at all. He is well aware that Abraham has another son, but it was not the son of covenant, of promise. Remember, we spoke about how that came about and what took place there when mankind chose to rely on their own judgments instead of God's promise. When we seek to do things our own way, man, we're going to get a lot of problems. And <laughs> there was a lot of problems that took place with Abraham, Sarah, Hagar, and two sons. So God is recognizing the son of promise and speaking it to Abraham. So Abraham is well aware of whom indeed God is speaking about. Take now your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and offer 
him there as what? A burnt, oh man, what did I just do? There we go. A burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. There's a purpose. There's instruction. There is precision in God's command. That again, we can take a bit of a a breath as we read the text in a very slow yet attentive way. We recognize that God's not going to leave us blind. It is his nature to tell us the uh, very precise information necessary for us to be pleasing to him, for us to be obedient to him. Um, You can see that there is no need for us to rely on our own thoughts and emotions, which get us in a whole bunch of problems. No, we can simply go about to the instruction of our God, the God of the 66 books of the Bible. For Abraham, the information was very clear. Take your son. When? Now. He's your only son, the son of promise, whom you love. He recognizes the relationship, the name Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I I will tell you. And if there is anyone who has the right to command us regarding life and death and how life is to be removed or to be uh, kept uh, secure, it's God. You and I do not hold that right, high-handedly so, meaning we don't have the right to say, you you, uh, uh, are uh, this or you are that, and so therefore, by my own standard of measurement and judgment, I decide you to be not worthy of life or worthy of life or this, that, and the other. It has to be according to God's will. That's why we have justice. That's why we have law. That's why we have government. And we have kings and queens and prime ministers and presidents. When they're not corrupt and they're doing their job, they're doing their job according to a higher power. That's why we have things like jail for criminals. That's why we have things like capital punishment for murderers, and why we pay our taxes. Paul would say such to his brethren in Rome. Peter would say the same thing to his brethren. A great many Christians miss the mark when it comes to Christianity and government. They are more so loyal to their own political affiliates, whether it be the, uh, the Democrats or the Republicans or the Independents, or for us Canadians, the Conservatives, the Liberals, the NDP, the Green, or whichever other party that is birth under the tree. Um, no, not at all. Christians are not loyalist to any political party. We are loyalist to our Lord and Master, and we vote according to His policies, policies that are moral, upstanding, and decent, which allow for peace among mankind in the nations. So, we don't have that power. When capital punishment is to be administered on a murderer, that came from God. It didn't come from you and I. The judge simply recognizes the sentence from God and practices it. He administers that judgment. See, we've missed that, don't we? We, we, We've lost that one. But if we went back to it, our nations would be cleaned up quick enough. tell you that much. Okay, so Abraham is given this here instruction, this command. It is with all the information necessary for him at that time. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey. He's getting the beast prepared. He's preparing himself for this uh, task and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son. So he has 
two young men, servants of sorts, to accompany him and to, of course, cooperate with uh, the path forward. And he uh, split wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Now, if he was not going to do what God commanded him, the results would be quite uh, devastating. There would be consequence and punishment. It's the same today. We are commanded to obey the gospel of our Lord and Master, to believe in Him with every fiber of our being, to know Him as our Lord and Master, our ruler and King, to know He is the Son of God, the risen uh, Savior of the world. We need to know that. That is a commanded instruction that we cannot deviate from. We hear his gospel, his good news. We become the recipients within our minds. And this organically triggers in us a change, and that is called repentance. Our thoughts begin to change. The direction in our life begins to change. We make a mindful commitment to stay away from sin, the various things that are causing us to destroy each other whether that be sexual perversions such as or immoralities such as uh, fornication, adultery, homosexuality, and various other uh, uh, ex explicit uh, descriptors from the LGBTQ community, whether it be uh, you be a thief or a liar uh, or all various other sinful things that the Bible mentions, a murderer, all the sins that the Bible... Th these things are destructive to us. They cause divorce. They cause separation. They cause sorrow. They cause much pain. And you may lie to yourself in front of people, but when you look in the mirror and the only thing you have is your own thoughts, you know sin hasn't done anything good for you whatsoever. Oh, it was fun when it began, but once you're in it for a little while, you start to see the damage, and I'll tell you, Sin produces fruits as well, rotten fruit. Right? So on the third day, of course, Abraham uh, raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance. This location in which he has to endeavor and embark on with his son and his, these two uh, men uh, accommodating uh, at the beginning stages of this journey, if you will. And so on the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance. Interesting, on the third day, right? That's interesting. We're seeing a lot of similarities, aren't we? It's, 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 it's written and purposed. It's been recorded and witnessed for that <laughs> with the divine uh, authority. It's, it's sourced by the pen of the Holy Spirit. It, it, it's an inspired book, okay? So on the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, and I and the lad will go over there, and we will worship and return to you. Now, there is no lie spoken here. This is simply a uh, moment in which good, decent, and righteous practice is available to withhold information that was not necessary at that time or for that account. I mean, what is he going to tell you? I'm going to go over there and just, you know, kill my son because God said so. <laughs> that would have been a strange conversation to have with those young men. Uh-oh, uh we better run for it, boys. He's going to kill us next or something, you know. 
so Abraham took the wood of the burnt uh, offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked on together. Um, there is certainly a lot of humor produced from this account. I think perhaps to alleviate how serious it is. Um, it is a very serious account. A very, very serious account. A moment in history is being recorded for us by the inspired pen. So we can recognize the nature of God and his love for mankind, and the um, a prophecy of sorts within uh, the witnessed account. It's fascinating to me. So, uh, so the two of them walked on together. Now Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father, and he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Isn't that interesting language? I, I mean, again, if you look at the gospel, and you've read the gospels, and you know how they are revealed, and uh, the things that hold great insight, wisdom, um, with the account, it, it, it's truly fascinating to read this one, thousands of years prior to the moment Christ fulfilled the prophets and reading the things that are being said here with Abraham and his son. God will provide for himself the lamb. This is the reply, of course, to the question, Father. Here I am, son. Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? <laughs> so obviously it reveals the fact that Isaac may not have been aware of what was taking place at this stage um, or his trust of course in his father and his father's trust in God the great I am Abraham says God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering my son who holds all provision God who is going to take care of us God whom must we seek to follow to learn from God. God is the provider for the father and the son. God will provide what is necessary uh, to his good pleasure and for the fulfillment of his will. So there kind of seems to be a sense of uh, peace that God will take care of things and there's no need to be anxious or to worry about things that he will take care of. You know, we spoke about that in a few uh, sessions prior to this one regarding God's provisions and how we are not to have anxiety upon the things that belong to God. You and I do our part with the uh, boundaries you and I have, submissive to the natural realm, and uh, we make sure to be good stewards of that part, that responsibility, but the things we cannot see or change, they belong to God. Uh, tomorrow belongs to God. You and I don't see tomorrow. We certainly plan for tomorrow, but we don't see tomorrow. All of this can end tomorrow. Do you know? No, you don't. Anyone trying to tell you they know? They make a lot of money, don't they? Make a lot of Hollywood movies, write some books, become millionaires. No, they don't know. 
<laughs> and all these religious charl charlatans, you know, uh, uh, about these these frauds, uh, they, they, they'll have us uh, uh, believing that they know. They don't know. I'll tell you who does know. God knows. God knows all tomorrows. You and I don't. So you and I are wise to trust in God. And that's his department. That's his profession. That's his mind, his nature, his power. So in that department, we allow him do his work. Why lose sleep over that? Are we going to change what's going to happen tomorrow? We can only plan uh, from our perspective, which is the now, the present. We may have wisdom from what we've experienced in the past, but you and I aren't living in the future. God sees tomorrow, and we are wise to pay attention to that. So Abraham says God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. You know, don't worry about things that are out of our control. What you are speaking of, my son, belongs to God, and he will provide uh, what is necessary according to his own will and his own time. And remember, Abraham's learned some wisdom throughout the years, hasn't he? He's done some things according to his own mind, and he found out, man, if I follow the, the instruction of myself and my wife, we're going to get ourselves in, in a mess. But when we follow God, man, things seem to go smoother, don't they? Yeah, they do. So then they came to the place of which God had told them. There you go again. God told them where to go. Abraham goes where he was told to go. If God tells you and I today, you must repent of fornication, then what do you think we need to do? We need to repent of fornication. We need to stop fornicating. I know that's like not even a thing anymore. Like really, it's not even a... I would not know of any human being here on the East Coast that I could speak to that has not had or has not fornicated prior to uh, the wedding bed. I mean, I'm, I'm just being very transparent with you. I don't know of anyone, and I wouldn't know of anyone. It's just not a thing. It, you'd be mocked. You're actually mocked if you speak those words. Virginity? You idiot. What are you? you you've not. Why on earth would you do that? Like, they, they, it'd be really that kind of a, a reply, like, oh, wow, weird, whatever. Does that mean we shouldn't? Does, is that now the standard of judgment we should allow ourselves to submit to? Well, I'll be called an idiot if I don't fornicate or seen as some kind of a strange alien. Well, maybe you need to look like a strange alien. I mean, to the world, we are strange aliens. <laughs> we believe in, uh, in a lot of things uh, that the world, of course, has since deemed, uh, you know, well, they call good evil and evil good. Anywho, so you kind of get the point, right? So they came to the place uh, of which God had told him, and Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood and bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on the top of the wood. Now here, I suppose Isaac's like, okay, a while ago I didn't know what was going on. Maybe I'm starting to figure out what's taking place here. And uh, the information revealed is all we need to know. Though you and I, of course, for academic pursuits or just for discussion and uh, uh, good discussion, uh, we can kind of um, speculate or we can kind of um, entertain various perspectives of what took place or how it took place. We may have opinions. 
on all that might have been said between the two and how they accepted this moment in their life. Uh, but we do know what the text says, and the text most certainly reveals enough for you and I uh, to understand. So when Abraham uh, said, of course, God will provide for himself the lamb, uh, that was indeed uh, something within his heart that he knew he could have faith, faith, trust in God. And they came to the place of which God had told them. So there they are. God told them to go there. He went there. Again, everything you're going to read in the Bible regarding faithful believers is always in obedience to what God says. That didn't change in the New Testament. Contrary to false teachers, we are obligated through our love of our Lord to obey what he has commanded us to obey. And that is, of course, the instruction of the New Testament. It is a law. It is the law of Christ. It is a law of mercy and grace, but it is a law. There is instruction in there that if you do not follow, you will not have eternal life with God. If Abraham would have not obeyed God at this moment, there would have been dire consequences to that. So they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood and bound his son, Isaac, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Of course, he's going through with it. And God knew he would. He wanted to, to uh, of course, recognize the good pleasure of uh, this father and son and this sacrifice and that humanity is, uh, has enough worth to keep around for a while, obviously, solidifying God's purpose and plan through the Christ prophesied in Genesis 3.15. And so the angel of the Lord at this moment, of course, called to Abraham from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And Abraham said, here I am. And uh, God told him, hey, don't stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him. Don't harm him, right? For I know him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Interesting language, right? From me, the angel of the Lord. Well, who's the angel of the Lord? From me. Interesting language, isn't it? So before Abraham completes the task in trust of God, his son in trust of his father. A divine intervention. Nope, don't, do not continue uh, with this order, for it was uh, designed in a purpose to uh, reveal your heart before God and for you to, 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 to learn a very valuable lesson. So Abraham, of course, raised his eyes in verse 13 and looked, and behold, Behind him, a ram caught in the, t in the thicket uh, by his horns. Of course, not damaging the animal, just with the horns snared there, like if he's ready for <laughs> the sacrifice. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the place of his son. Perhaps a sigh of relief. Perhaps I knew it all along. God would take care of this. I was just going to go about doing what he had told me to do, and the desired result would be according to his will. All is well, has ended well. Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, quote, 
in the mount of the Lord, it will be provided. Man, oh man. I mean, just look at how this, look at how intelligently penned this book is found with all these accounts. Separated by centuries at times, separated by uh, millennia at times, decades at others, 40 inspired men came together in a span of about 15 to 600 years, found in various different geographical locations and times and uh, dispensations, yet they all wrote in a well-woven orchestra to play the symphony. And it is certainly a wise decision on our part to utilize our free will, to think for ourselves this independent accountability throughout the intellectual capabilities that God has blessed us with. And we size up these two accounts together and how well they are woven, rightly divided, when we see God sending his son, his son uh, proclaiming uh, the ministry of the kingdom in which he would be crowned upon the fulfillment of the cross. And it certainly has come about. We have that recorded for us in the book of Acts, uh, chapter 1 and 2. And all those who converted became legal citizens of his kingdom in the following book's epistles. And so we see here quite a similarity, though in different contexts, the spiritual principle seems to be the same, and it's quite fascinating to me to, to read this, to see how this takes place. God has provided. The sacrifice has been revealed and utilized. A son, a father, and love. Isn't that something? I find it quite fascinating. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, be uh, by myself i have sworn declares the lord and he has of course the uh, authority to do so to swear by himself declares the lord because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son your only son indeed i will greatly bless you and I will greatly multiply your seed as the stars of the heavens and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your seed shall possess the gate of their enemies. And that's interesting language how Abraham was blessed for having such a heart of faith towards God and his instructions to be obedient uh, to every uh, intricate detail. And if we are obedient to Christ. Christ, of course, he gave his life in obedience to his father and the fulfillment of the prophets. He was, he was given the crown. He is now the king of his kingdom. And his kingdom is not of this earth, so it cannot be destroyed by the hands of men. And the seeds of his kingdom, all who are in Christ, who were immersed into Christ... Friends, like the sand of the seashore, Christianity flourished and grew. Um, it's quite, again, it, it's, it's noteworthy. And if you're truly tuned with an open heart, uh, this information can greatly comfort and encourage you. And it can give you application. Do what God says. Do it to the fullest sacrifice, and you will find provision. Where are all these spiritual provisions found? 
That's right. If you've read enough scripture, you'll know that all spiritual blessings are found in Christ, in his body. Synonymous, his church. His kingdom to which you and I are legal citizens. We were immersed, born out of water and the spirit, added into this location, the spiritual house built by the mind of God prior to the formation of Adam and Eve. All provision there. So we sacrifice our lives to God. Everything we ought to do is to be done for God. It's a beautiful thing. It certainly is. And there is purpose therein. Right? Provisions are found. He provides the sacrificial lamb. It's just, yeah, it's pretty cool. Indeed, I will greatly bless you, and I will greatly multiply your seed as the stars of the heavens and as the sand which is on the seashore, and your seed shall possess the gate of their enemies. Interesting language. Again, remember when Christ told his disciples, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not overpower or overcome. And that, I find that interesting how, again, when you look at the Christ, you look at the Son, the Father, you look at his church, which was uh, established, his kingdom, and you see the gospel plan, the gospel uh, power that saves mankind. It's just, and you read this account, there, there's just so many things you can connect. It's, there's just so many things you can connect so Abraham returned to his young men, and they arose and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham lived at Beersheba. Now in verse 20, it came about after these things that it was told Abraham, saying, Behold, Milcah also has borne children to your brother Nahor. And of course, the text continues with some lineage there. And uh, yeah, I don't think we'll go into that for, for this moment, this episode. We'll end with 19. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they arose and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham lived at Beersheba. And that will bring a conclusion to our uh, session. Let me just take these away here, if I can, from the screen. There we go. And that's something. I find it quite, quite fascinating. Okay, so some wonderful stuff in there. Uh, next time around, Lord willing, next week on a Wednesday, we'll uh, continue our accounts in the book of Genesis. And uh, yeah, we've still got a little while to go. There's a lot of good information in there yet still to study. Please consider subscribing, giving us a rumble, a comment, share the link far and wide. Subscribe, if you will, or sign up to our uh, addedsouls.locals uh dot com uh location you can support the added souls ministry there and uh it's a good thing stefan maya with you added souls.com the website here we go that good stay focused stay positive till next time lord willing god bless